Yo, yo, yo. What is going on, everybody? How's everybody doing tonight? Welcome to a restless, a very calm, relaxing podcast night. You know, just us three hosting together. How's, how's it going, Philadelphia? How's everybody doing? How are we doing, Nick? How are we doing, Don? Uh, listen, like, like, yeah, the, <laughs> I feel like I'm in the middle of a like a sports soap opera. It's just wild. It's like you can't like a lot of these sports stories. You just can't write them. Like, like real life is so much better than scripted. You know, Oscar, you could write them and no one would believe them. Mm-hmm. Like, if you would have told me that this is how the Ben Simmons saga played out, yo, yo what's Chris, up, Chris? Um, I would have never believed you. Never in a million years would I have ever thought that it would have played out like this, and that he would have turned out to be. I mean, he would have turned out to be the heel in all this. Yeah. And now, like, the, the whole the whole situation with how he's handling it now, now, like, essentially just coming back to get a paycheck and then gets kicked out, just – it just makes no sense at all. Like, obviously, it makes sense to him, but, like, I love the comments from NB today. Yeah. The comments from Embiid today basically saying, listen, I'm not here to babysit him. I'm not here to babysit anybody. He's a grown man. He can make his own decisions, but we're moving on. Um, We're adults at the end of the day. I mean, you're a professional. You have to show your professionalism one way or another. I I mean, yeah, sure, you're disappointed about some bullshit, about how fans treat you, expectations, blah, 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 blah. But you're still getting paid. I mean, bottom line, show up. get, get, Go out the right way. This is... This is literally a train wreck that's going on with the Sixers, like at least with Ben Simmons. I mean, I really think like it's it, – I think he, I think the Sixers are getting some influence from the NBA to basically say like hold on to whatever – yeah, Chris, we'll get into it in a minute. I definitely did. Um, yeah, the – getting into the the contract, you know, he's one year into that into that deal – I think the NBA is basically saying like, yo, hold tight because, you know, we got your back. And this yep. this whole saga, I mean, the funniest thing is that he's he wants so bad to be out of here, but yet is self-sabotaging himself to make his value so little that the Sixers are basically going to hold on to him for as long as they want. And I couldn't blame the Sixers for – it's just yeah. – I mean, Sixers are trying to protect their investment. It's smart that Adam Silver is coming out, speaking on kind of behalf of the Sixers organization because you know how the years with the hinky, they dogged us, right? So it's nice to see them come out and say, hey, you know what? He's got a contract he's supposed to honor. This is what we have to do. Um, And to Adam's point about Doc sending him home, I don't know that it was necessarily Doc because – there was an interview today I listened to with Gary Payton saying that Doc's the most lenient coach he's ever played for. And for him to do that, I don't know if it's necessarily him. That could have been Elton Brand saying, listen, this guy right now, he's not doing you any good. Maybe Embiid said something, right? It's his team. You're not – you're dilly-dallying around. You're on the practice court with your phone in your pocket. You're not even doing anything you're supposed to do. You're not breaking down the huddle. You're not engaged in team drills. You're not even trying, like – Bro, what good are you? But one of the positives is they said he hasn't got – I don't think he's gotten paid all month. 
he's down, he's out like a 1.4 million so far with fines. And, um, and the miss is that he's not going to recoup that. So listen, I know you're making a lot of money, but I think all three of us, if they tell me just show up or we're going to find you, you're going to be losing one and a half million dollars. We're going to be like, I'm not losing that money. That's my money. Right. I'm coming. I'm going to do what I have to do. I'll be professional because now he's not going to help himself when he does get traded. Right. Because now you know that there's going to be, if it is the Kings or the Pacers, there's some of their players that they want to keep are going like, yo, I know you guys have been talking about it, but like, I don't know if I want to play with that guy. Yeah. That's the other thing. Right. He I gonna, mean, and he's going to quit on me next out. year. He's putting himself out for the league to be like the, He's become the the butt of of every NBA joke to the point where you like what you're saying, Nick. No, everybody's kind of looking around at themselves and be like, I I don't want him. I don't want him here. I don't want him with. I don't. I don't want him with our core. Like even, I mean, listen, even basketball Siberia in Minnesota. You know, if, if I'm Minnesota, like. I, do I? I would rather move forward with Anthony Edwards, and mm-hmm. you know, and and Towns, and and I mean, they're they're never going to be relevant in the West anyway. But just the simple fact of having him there, like I don't want. But I would almost send him there, like out of being petty and spiteful. Absolutely. Like just send him there because that's the last place he wants to be. Listen, I don't care if I don't care if those guys don't want him. They can have him. Take him. Yeah. Like, what do you, what do you, I think kind of now it's at the point where the way his mentality is, is that he is more, we're going to be better without him because I feel like it's going to be addition by subtraction just because of his mentality. Right. Like, is he going to go on the court and, you know, be like Ben at his best where he's attacking the rim and doesn't care about getting the free throw line and, and dishing and locking down on team's number one player and running the full court. Like, I don't I mean I don't know if he's gonna do that. Like, will he? Should he? Yeah, he should. He should just suck it up right now. You know, talk to the team, have a team meeting and say players only. This is this is what's going on. All right. You can blame listen, and to the players, if your agent has a lot to do with it, blame your agent. Who cares? Like, right, listen, this is what I've been instructed to do. Um, this is what's going on. I felt, you know, he could tell them whatever the fuck he wants to tell them. Don't matter. Yeah, I don't I, care. I, I, but I mean, they I can't think- at this point. There was a time maybe two or three weeks ago when they said that they're going to bring him back. They want him to come back when we were thinking like, listen, don't give him away for, you know, we don't want the 12th man on people's rosters and future picks. Like that doesn't do us any good. Right. But then his actions since he came back have been, they're not improving that. It's been worse the way he's acting. He's acting like a baby. Right. Right. He's he hasn't come out into the now that he was supposed to have a press conference. Did he come out and talk to the media or no? Nothing. Yeah. So he was supposed to eleven thirty appear for the media around eleven I want to say like eleven thirty. Yeah. And then at one point they said it got pushed back to twelve. And then just before twelve, like ten of twelve is when that news hit of him getting kicked out of practice and sent home. And, and maybe he didn't want he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna, you know, and from from what I can gather from some of the stuff that I saw about what happened it was there was a drill that they were all participating in and he wasn't actively in the drill and they asked him to step in and participate in the drill and he basically said like nah i'm good and they said no 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 we need you to come in and participate in the drill and he said no no and at one point doc rivers just said something something to the kid of like you know listen if you're not going to be here and you're not going to be here and you're not going to work you might as well just go home 
And apparently he just rolled the ball across the court and walked out. So, like, that to me shows me that, like, we can want him to be all those things and we can want him to be professional and just come in and do your job and say, but I, but I think what Embiid said, you know, today is pretty accurate. Like, like, that's not my job. My job is to go out and perform. My job is to go out and, and win games. And I'm not here to babysit. I'm here to win. So for me, I look at that and I'm like, I think like what do you like yeah. at, at the end of the day, how do you go home, look yourself in the mirror and be like, because yeah, he's, no, I'm, cool. he's I, been, I, I, I'm in the right. I'm cool with that. He's been coddled his whole life. He's right. been told that he's the best his whole life. The people in his corner are all yes men. So he doesn't think that way. You know, that's that's been apparent. Like, you know, I've stood up me. Me and Rich have been the biggest Oscar too, biggest Ben yeah. supporters from the jump. Been like, listen, we want this kid to succeed. We need to give him the tough love to get him to succeed. But he's not showing it. All the other guys that we've embraced in the city would show improvement. They would want it. They would come and do that. Um, he just doesn't do that. And his mentality is not right for a city like this where people want you to work hard and earn it, right? Um, I think the two biggest things that I gathered from what Embiid says weren't necessarily that, you know, I like what he, he, he said what he was supposed to say, basically. But the two things were shots, but they were also – very important, which is when he said, I don't care about that man anymore. One. And the second one was he said, I'm not a bait. I'm not here to babysit. And he said, it doesn't matter if I am here to babysit because the, they, he doesn't listen anyway. That he, or he said it was more like, um, I can't babysit somebody who doesn't listen to what I tell them anyway. Right. So he's basically saying yeah. like, it doesn't matter if I have a conversation with him, maybe they have had that conversation. If he's just talking to himself, basically, what's the point? Don't waste your yeah. energy. I mean, him and Tobias have, have stepped up from, like, their conversations and getting the team together and ready to play. Now, listen, let the kid play. Let Maxi play. That's what I want to see. Yeah, I mean, I think those, if you can start to let those young guys play and get those young guys, you know, I think you saw a lot of growth in Thibault over the summer with the experience that he got playing with the Australian yeah, national team. Uh, and he's only going to get better. So I think, you know, between, you know, Put Maxi in the starting lineup, bring it, you know, still being able to bring Fabio off the bench to be that defensive presence. Um, I think, you know, having the the George Yang signing is good. You know, it gives them another outside shooter off the off the bench. I I, I like the fact that it kind of pushes Cork Moss a little further away from from yeah. more minutes. Kind of take it kind of eats up some of those minutes that you know you don't really want to give Cork Moss because he hasn't shown you that he can do it on both ends of the floor. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I just I, – I, I, the funniest thing is, like, I don't, I don't know how I, – I can't see how this is going to play out. And, and does, it, does it drag on and drag on and drag on? Does it – do they sell him short? Do, I, like, I mean, honestly, Nick, what do you think – what do you think – how do you think it plays out? And they don't really have a choice, right? So, like, do you want to hold him out? I, I, I don't think it's going to be something where, like, within the next couple of days there's a trade made. I just – because the season is just starting. So, right now everybody has a – everybody, you know, across the league is like, listen, we we like our team, blah, blah, blah. They're going to say all the right things. Right. But after a couple of weeks they're going to see, you know, if your team's any good, right? Mm-hmm. So, then, then there could be some guys that get disgruntled. Maybe they thought their team – the thing was going to go a different way. Then, you know, they don't like – 
they get issues with teammates, they get into tiffs, or they don't like the way the new coaches. Something could happen. You're gonna have to get lucky. Yeah. Um, I do. I did hear some story that um, a lot of teams don't even want to deal with Dower Mori, which is a bad thing. That that he overvalues all his players and they won't even take his calls, so that limits things there. I'm not, I'm not sure I like that. That's when you have to kind of get, um, kind of get Elton Brand maybe to make that call, right? <laughs> You make that call for whatever reason. They said back to the Houston days, it's just how he is. He overvalues his players. Could be. Um, I also understand the Simmons perspective where you're looking at a 25 year old asset who's an all three time all star. When he when he's in the right mindset, he's a good player. Yeah. If he's on the right team, he's a good player. So in a perfect world, you know, what would we what would I get for him? we get Bradley Beal for him. That's a perfect world. Does that right. happen? No, it's not going to happen. Now we have to kind of look at those role players because he said, you know, he's still been steadfast with, I want an NBA quality, like a good quality player, all-star type player. Who's going to give you that? It's going to be somebody that is looking to move a contract that wants to get younger. So you're going to have to get an older player most likely, or you're going to have to get some unproven guys. And there's going right, to be some to you. What, what about – a guy out West who recently just had some contract issues. Uh, Marvin Bagley? No. Aton. DeAndre Aton, right? So he just he just did – he had the ability to be able to sign his extension and didn't. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have an expiring contract at the end of the season. So you're talking about the Suns, DeAndre Aton, right? Yeah. I mean, he's a really good player. I like him a lot. But and, then and, the issue and, is – do, do you have shades of, you know, Tim Duncan and David Robinson? I mean, listen, if if they could – I think that Joel is a good enough player and he's a good enough shooter to be able to move out and say, this is my team, I'll make it work. Would that be – that would be really good if we could make that happen, right. obviously. Do, I mean, that's a name sons... that I thought – like when I saw that that expiring contract come up and they're like, oh, well, you know, he's not he's not signing his extension. He's not yeah. going to move um, to sign his extension. I was like – started making me think like, all right, well, what kind of package would I have to put together to get him? Yeah, it would have to be, you'd probably have to, w- with Ben, just because Aiton's going to be expiring deal, so that helps the Sixers. Right. Um, so because you're going to have to hope you can re-sign him. And, you know, with moving Ben, you're going to free, that money's just going to get right back to him. So, right. You'll so have could less. you do it like, so that you don't lose that max slot, Do you, could you do a sign and trade, like where he signs – the extension with the Suns, but then it's a sign and trade where he moves with you. Yeah, you, you'd have to package something else with Simmons, though, I think, for the right. Suns to even really entertain that because who's to say another team doesn't do the same? You know what I mean? You could, yeah. You know, like there's a lot of good teams out there that could say, whoa, DeAndre Ayton, you know, he's on his rookie deal. So this year, unless we sign and trade him this year, we could go and get him and then we can add another vet maybe just for like a one-season push. Could happen. Um, they have a good – see, it's just weird, like, what's his mindset? Because they have a pretty good roster aside from, like, Chris Paul being older. The Suns, they're, they're a good roster. Right. So, it's like, would I – if I'm him, wouldn't I rather just stay and play with Devin Booker? Yeah, probably. But then if I come and play with Embiid, like, you know, down on the block, you're never going to get doubled. That would be literally yeah, – that's a point guard's dream because then when you, – you just dump it in and one of the two – Twin Towers is going to get a bucket for you. 
Right. And um, you could you could pick and roll people to death. You you could pick and pop and you know and pop it out to you know to Danny Green or Seth Curry on the wing. And you're gonna have the 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 amount of space that they would create on the floor with the way that MB can step out and still hit a three. Um I don't know. It just it was just something it, it was a name that no one's talked about. And it just recently, you know, and it you know it just popped up that I thought like you know that that it, it might have to be a deal like that that they're able to move. Somewhere. Yeah, I mean that's just the uh, there's another uh, tweet that came out today with Marvin Bagley and the Kings. So I thought you were talking about who kind of his agent kind of came out and bashed the Kings for like mishandling his contract and stuff like that. And I think he wants out too, and he sees the writing on the wall there. Um, you know that might be see like, and he's probably a better talent than some of these other deals like is he better than Malcolm Brogdon yeah he is right is he better than some of the other guys yeah he is he's younger um you just have to he's not he can't handle the rock like you know like Ben could it's fine I know that in a playoff spot in the big spot you go big you put you know him Tobias and and Joe on the floor together and then you put what Maxi and Seth on the floor like you know that's a pretty pretty good formidable you know start uh you know, five that are on the court at a time and he's young and he wants an extension. So maybe the Kings are willing to take that on. Just, just tell Ben like, Hey, come out here. The media isn't going to be anywhere near it. There's no expectations in Sacramento. There never is. Right. There you never know, is. There never the is. original deal was, Hey, we wanted Darren Fox. Or we weren't going to do any deal. We wanted or Halliburton or we're not going to do any move. Right. They didn't want to do that. But Hey, if it means if I can get Bagley in the pick or something like that, and if he starts, forcing his hand a little bit that helps the Sixers case, then, Hey, just go for it. They need to, they need to do something sooner rather than later. The issue is we might have to wait just because of the way the NBA season's unfolding right now. Right. I think the NBA is also pissed to start the season off with. They are like this. They are, especially because the Sixers, you know, they were the number one seed team last year. They're right. a power five, the top five market. They have Joel. We know we have Joel and be one of the best players in the league. Doc Rivers is a marketable coach. Um, you know, they have a good schedule with they're gonna I think they play the Nets, right? They'll play the Nets first game. Yeah. So Who you're gonna have the NBA is thinking, okay, well, we're gonna have two top teams in the East playing together, but then the people they're just gonna be talking about Ben Simmons all the time on the broadcast. It's gonna happen. Right. They're not talking about, oh, look at Embiid's been working on his fadeaway. <laughs> it's gonna be, yeah. well, what do you think's gonna happen with Ben Simmons? And like Adam Silver doesn't want that for the league. So, I mean, maybe he steps in and does – not necessarily – I don't want him to tinker, but maybe he's like, hey, we, you know, you guys need to start taking these calls from Daryl and we need to make something happen because we, we can't have this anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what they need. I can see no, that. Uh, I'm with you. All right, but let's move on to some more positive things. I mean – wait, hold on. They didn't win. I'm sorry. <laughs> they looked in the Bucks. They right? won the Bucks, uh, no, so Thursday night. They play, they play the Bucks. They get a – I, I mean, I, I don't even know what to say at this point. You know, you've got a team that just doesn't show any pro. We we always said we said from the week from the beginning we it was week to week. Um, I think the most frustrating thing about this team right now is the fact that you're not seeing any kind of change, any adaptation, any creativity from week to week. It is legit just static same and i think the alarming thing for me is 
you know, the, the post-game stuff from, from Sirianni basically saying, like, we really don't need to change anything. We just have to do it better. And that, that's when that's concerning. I don't think that any any coach, honestly, that hasn't been – like maybe if he was successful in the NFL and that's how he thought, okay, like Belichick could get away with saying something like that, right? But somebody that's new to the head coach, that leads me to believe that he's not really calling the shots, right? When I hear him say that, because if he says we need to do this and this, and then then what's his meeting like with Howie on, on Tuesday? Yeah. Yeah. Does, he get, does he get an earful and they're like, hey – Listen, you're supposed to go up there, tell the media you're going to do better. Right. And then that's it. Let us call the – you know, not running the ball is part of the problem. It's not the only problem, Adam. So you have a young quarterback who – listen, people can say what they want. They said it before. Oh, let's give him a shot. I've been adamant. He was never the guy. He's never going to be the guy. You can watch him. You watch him play. He is what he is. Would he be a very good backup? Absolutely. Would he be serviceable on a really good roster? Probably. Um, but they run the same plays, right? They don't do they don't do anything across the middle. They don't give the running backs enough touches in general. Not even just run the ball. They don't give them enough touches. Period. They don't. Like it, rem- it reminds me of like the Tech Mobile playbook. Yeah. Right. You got four plays, and it's it's the bubble screen. It's the re. It's the it's the RPO. Yep. It's uh, like the. Well, the thing yeah. I don't know if I don't know if Sirianni is like because you look at Jalen's numbers. I think his numbers are better. Show his numbers are better than how he's actually played. Right, he's got eight touchdowns, four picks. That you're like, all right, that's not bad. But when you watch the game, you're like, well, this dude doesn't know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So right. I mean, one, like we've, the- talk, we've talked about the arm talent. That's a big red flag. He doesn't have the arm talent. So. People like, you know, I've gotten arguments with our friend groups. Oscar knows like they're like, well, you know, but I'm like, listen, but if you got the arm talent, first of all, he he's late getting the ball out. I think it's because he needs to put everything into it. He can't just he can't just turn his hips and flick the ball out and get it where it needs to go. He can't do it. I mean, look, look, okay. at, some of, look at some of those young guys that are playing right now. Everybody right? else like, like like Allen and Herbert, like those mm-hmm. those guys are in his same age group. Right. Kyler Murray, same size. I mean, they sling it all over the place and they can get to, they can get the ball to any spot on the field at any time. And Hertz can't, he he just like, there's no getting around that one. I mean, he can have all the intangibles in the world and he can have, you know, the, the, the best character on the team and be the best teammate and, Mm-hmm. But that one thing is his flaw. That's his character flaw. That is going to be the difference between him being able to be a guy that you can build around, and him being a guy who's essentially, you know, you know. I, I don't think it's you know, a shocker to say that he's his his trajectory is probably a career backup. But yeah, I also I mean- think you, you can't. You can't. You have to play him every game, every play, to see every aspect of the game. But I think you have to start to give him the opportunity to look at him, let him drop back in the pocket, let him make throws from the pocket, even if he's going to fail, right? Even if he's throwing picks, run the whole playbook. Give him the ability to be able to throw balls over the middle. To throw. I mean, the alarming thing is though is that. I mean, when you see him throw a deep ball 
And I think we said this last week. I mean, he legit looks like like the schoolyard kid kicking the ball off when you're playing two touch in the schoolyard, where he's like taking like four steps to get the ball 45, 50 yards down the field. Yeah, and that's part of the reason what what leads to picks and why we're not having any big plays because you can't get the ball out in time, right? Like you see every game I watch, I watch these quarterbacks, like these guys, they just, you know, they take three steps and they can just turn and throw it and it goes 50 yards, no problem, right? On a, on a you know, and they put it where it needs to be. So, you know, and receivers, it's not college. Receivers in the NFL, if they're covered, they're open basically, right, Oscar? So if the guy's on your back, back, back hip, and you're running across the middle, you're open. But in his mind, he might think, oh, he's not open, Well, especially if you don't have the arm talent, because when you go to throw it, if you don't have the arm talent, you know, that guy can just go, you know, he can cut in front, and that's a pick. So, you know, guys aren't running wide open like they were at Alabama or Oklahoma, right? So it all goes back to, we talked about this before, he did lose his job at Alabama, right, Mm -hmm. to Tua. Now, you guys have watched Tua play. Tua stinks. Tua stinks. He's garbage. He's got he's got a rag arm too, so like they these guys they have the intangibles that Nick Saban likes. They're smart, they're good leaders. They'll say the right things. They're going to work hard. They're going to have their teammates back. They're going to be supportive. They're going to study. They're going to game plan. They're not going to go out and party. They're going to be home in bed by nine o'clock, getting their sleep, waking up ready to play. It's great, but sometimes I need you to step into something and let it rip, and they just can't do it. Right, they can't do it. And then yeah, the I mean, issue they're, becomes they're, they're, their best play, like their best two plays. On Thursday night, we're two yeah. pass interference well, penalties. Like just chucking the ball up. So it's just like crazy. Like Nick Sirianni watches film. He says anyway. He watches practice. You have Miles Sanders, right? He would be a starting running back on what 15, 16 team, probably more than that in the league right now. Right. He's your best playmaker, aside from Devontae Smith, and you just don't give him the ball. Yeah. Well, what he had what one doesn't make touch. any sense. He had one one touch at halftime. But that's what I'm saying. Like, you don't, I don't need you to turn around and run the ball 15 times a half. I would love it. I like that. I think your linemen need that. They need push. Your line will look fresh to help your quarterback. But maybe do, you know, you do a couple, you do, if they would do five runs a half, then the play action becomes a real threat. Right. right? But the play, then you can play action. action Then you can run, then you can run halfback wheel routes. You can run the, the CMC route where they cut out, they look, they're going, to the sideline, and then they cut across the middle, and he's wide open, and he gets a 20-yard pickup on third and 15. Right. But they don't do that because he's not setting it up. So, like, my concern is you have all week to prepare your game plan, plan your plays out. They say usually you have your first couple or four or five drives scheduled. Like, hey, if it's third and one, that's what we're going to do. Fourth and one, we're going to do this. We're going to punt here. We're going to go for it. So, like, what are you doing? Are you not doing that? Like, I think he I, – I, I do think he should – experiment with giving up play calling. But then the issue is Shane Steichen, who's the offensive coordinator, the Chargers ran him out of town because they said his play calling was terrible. Right. It's because like, is he yeah. going to be – Is he if he runs the ball and he sets it up, maybe, maybe he learned from that mistake in the Chargers. He can come here and say, okay, we'll do this. It'll work. I didn't do this before. I should have did this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I just – I don't get the – the going away from like they, they talk about how good Sanders is and they talk about game well, but then they don't get on the ball. They don't they don't they don't make an they don't make it a point to get on the ball, whether it's on a wheel route, whether it's you know, you know, when was the last time we saw them, you know, run a draw or a screen, right? Don't but it's it. all it, it's all these RPOs. And the thing that I think people don't realize is that like 
that RPA, like instead of just having him drop back and just drop back, make a read, like when was the last time you saw them run a slant? They don't do it. They, they haven't do done it. it for the last three right. years. It doesn't make any but sense. If you go back and look at, at Devontae Smith's tape at Alabama, what was he running all day long? Right? He's slants. running those 10 yards, those 10 yard slants. Making people miss. And that's what he does best. And I and I just I don't get how listen, we all sit and watch the same game everybody else does. They have access to so much more information than we do, and yet they still continue to make the same decisions week after week. It just, it's the thing that blows me away. It's I, I, I just, I can't rationalize how like someone is not sitting in a room with them going, can we please run the ball? Can we like, like I run the ball, get the ball. Get, like we've got this select group of skill players between Smith and Gamewell and Sanders how are we not getting them the ball? Hey, Goddard too. And Goddard, yeah, and Goddard too. So like, now now they have, like, I think it's going to come down to you're going to have to have the players like Lane Johnson and Kelsey and those guys start speaking up in, like, the team the offensive meetings and saying, like, hey, like, we should be running the ball here on this situation. Like, we need it as linemen to get some push. Do they do that? I don't know. They talk about them being leaders. That's something the leader would do. And right. if I'm the coach, I have enough respect for them to know that they're not – trying to undermine me. They're trying to help me. It just goes back to this is not just Sirianni. Yeah. This right? is this, than- this is this is the front office. They want this is I've been saying this, right? Super Bowl was great. But with the Super Bowl, it gave them a false confidence that they are always right and they know what right. they're doing because we want a Super Bowl. Yeah, you got really lucky in that Super Bowl. You look at the injuries and how those players stepped up. I mean, Wentz had – he was going to be the MVP if he didn't get hurt against the Rams. Right. And then Foles just – for whatever, everything clicked. Frank Reich here helped a ton. You still had Deuce Staley who was calling running plays, right? Everybody stepped up in that Super Bowl, right? In the playoffs, everybody did their job and stepped up. It was a perfect storm. So you're, you're not going to get that lucky again. Right. So now they're like, oh, we have three first round picks this year. I don't trust you to make any of those picks. I don't care if they're one, two and three. You're going to mess it up somehow. You are because I can't I can't trust you to make those picks. And then we're going to need a quarterback. I don't want any of the quarterbacks in this class. I've looked them all extensively. I watched them play. There's no way that I'm just like, wow, this kid is special. Nobody like 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 a lot of people are talking about the kid from Liberty. Like I am not Malik Willis. No, he's small. I don't want another six foot athletic kid like no. you know, unless he's Lamar Jackson, I'm not interested. Right. Right. And then yeah, I, mean, I don't even want Lamar Jackson because this coaching staff wouldn't use him right. You right, know, like the Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson and they completely rebuilt their entire offense to complement him and make it work. That's what you need to do. Right. They don't do that. So they're running the same offensive plays and they're a good coaching staff would say, okay, this hasn't worked. We've tried this for six weeks. It didn't work. We need to change it up. It doesn't matter. We need to at least do – we're going to start doing this more. We're going to get rid of this. It's not working. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me, right? We're all like – we're not even – like you said, we're not – we are not. We don't have access to all these analytics. We don't have access to the coach's tape. We're not in the room with these players. So, like, if we're seeing it, what are they not seeing? Right. If I, if I can see it on the game that I DVR'd from, like, from game yeah. day, 
Yeah, like, you're watching just the Fox broadcast. Right. I'm watching the broadcast. Like I'm not watching the all 22. I'm not watching the 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 end zone view that gives me the whole field and I can see the formation and I can see the play developing. I'm just watching the game. And I can see that. Mm-hmm. So like it it just for me it doesn't it it doesn't compute to making great decisions on Yeah how to move this team forward. It just I mean, it, go, it goes back to when they, in all the whole coaching situation, when they were interviewing coaches, like the guy that I really wanted was Brian Dable, who's the offensive coordinator of the bills. He wouldn't even take the interview here. He said, I'm not, I'm yeah. not, I don't want to come. He's like, no, there. I'm not even coming. So well, like, he probably knows how it is to deal with Howie, you know? but he doesn't exactly. He's not that type of person. He said, I don't want to be a yes man. That's the reason why McDaniels was in the final running. And at the end, he turned it down too, because he, you know, they they want somebody that's going to do what they say and they don't like somebody that fires back at them and tells them, no, this is what we need to do. They think they're football guys when they're mathletes. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. Listen, nothing against mathletes. He's, they're probably all much smarter than me when it comes to doing their taxes and financial planning. Great. But when it comes to football, I don't think they know anything. Yeah, no, you're I mean, Oscar hasn't stepped on a football field in what, 10 years. You still would be like, you know, that guy, that guy can that guy can play. That guy can't play. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's not that hard. I'm not a mouth either. I, I, I don't. I, they're making it much harder. They think that they're smart than everybody. It's the old right. adage. They're smart. They're the smartest people in the room. They're going to do it their way, and that's it. Yeah. So we got to do Even like the, this this last game, I think the, the this game and the Chiefs game, the games that they lost, like I think that those games also gave them. It, it's giving the fan base, a false sense of security in terms of seeing the, like seeing the, the final score and not actually watching the game and Correct. not realizing that like, no, the games were the a Chiefs, lot worse than the score. If the chiefs really wanted to, like they could have hung a 50 burger on you with, Easily. without even like, without even thinking about it. So could the bucks, like the bucks saw a halftime at halftime. They're up by two touchdowns and they're like, all right, we're, we're, we're going to coast. We're going to, we're going to bleed the clock. We're going to run the ball. We're just. Eh. Yeah. Cause this team's not good enough to come back on down. To touch down the right. And they basically said, we're all we're going to do is get out of here. We're going to get out of here with a win and we're going to get 10 days off before our next game. Yeah. So like so then, that, even like, I, I don't see where like this team right now is exactly where we thought they'd be. The issue that I have with this is that the end of the the second half of this schedule is much easier than it was the first half. So yeah. they're going to get a couple of wins just based on teams being beat up or right. the Giants, some good luck. Like they going to play bad. Somebody's gonna, Jets. Yeah, somebody's going to play bad or they're going to get a win they shouldn't necessarily get. And at the end of the year, people are going to be like, oh, it's not that bad. And then they get a false sense of hope again saying, well, next year. No, next year we're going in with the same quarterback. We're going to lose. So look at this line. Who do you have – the same same thing we talked about last week. Who do you have going forward that you like? This team – and, you know, we got all this money on the front four. And they are – like, I like Hargraves. I like Sweat. They're still really good players. They're not going to make an impact because now the tape is out on the Eagles. Get the ball out in two seconds across the middle because the Eagles linebackers are atrocious. They can't <laughs> cover and they can't tackle. So if I want to get to my tight end or my wide receiver, my wide receiver, if, if they're playing Slay 10 yards off – he runs a slant across the middle. He's going to catch and he's going to be he's going to go because these linebackers can't play. Right. So Jonathan Gannon, 
people are giving him slack. I honestly think it's the same thing with Schwartz. Schwartz was a good coach. They don't give them the right personnel on defense. It's been yeah, a problem. They, they don't have the personnel to be able to be competitive. Their, their second level is so weak and such an Achilles heel that other teams can kind of cherry pick exactly. Like, it's like, oh, well, who is Avante Maddox covering? Okay, we're going to go to him. Who is like the fact that Alex Singleton or whoever was playing linebacker at that point ended up on Tyreek Hill in that Chiefs game? Like, how, how does that happen? You don't think Patrick Mahomes sees that right away and he's like, right. I'm getting him the ball. Right. Uh, that That's the one where like Tyreek Hill looks at him, he looks back and he goes, Yeah, just go. Just run. Yeah. Just run. I'm just going to throw it up. And what ended up happening? He runs under the ball, catches the ball 50 yards down the field and scores a touchdown. Yeah, and it's like the corner – the linebackers are terrible. You have two good corners. Avante's fine in the slot. Like, he's okay. But right. then the safeties aren't that good either. But then, like, in that, in, like in the Bucks game, right, it was pick your poison, right? You got Mike Evans, you got Godwin, and you yeah, got Antonio Brown. Brown. When you play a team – like, that's why when we play and Dallas – you got O.J. Howard, get, and you got when Leonard Fournette. Like, when, when we play Dallas, we're going to get smoked. Dude, because we can't. Well, first of all, right now we can't stop the run. Then we have to cover C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup will be back at that Michael point. Michael Gallup, and the then, tight end is really good. Yeah, and then it, what they're going to do is then once that happens in the middle, they're going to run Zeke and Pollard. They're going to run checkdowns to the running backs in the middle, and they're just going to they're just going to move the chains and move the chains and move the chains. Can we talk about Diggs for half a second? Sure. That dude I mean, is a fucking animal. He's got his brother's really good too. Like he's got what seven? He's got seven, seven picks, picks. Two tight, two two pick six. He dropped. He should. I think he should have eight or nine picks. He actually dropped one or two. I think. But he's got but, more touchdowns than his than his brother. Yeah, and I know that they said apparently when he went to Alabama, he went in as a receiver, and Coach Saban told him that he wasn't good enough to be a receiver and he needs to be a corner, and they turned him into a corner. Um, I mean, last year he was he was he was really bad last year too. So I give him a lot of a lot of credit. Like he really worked on his game because last year he was like he was getting abused last year. Remember every time I saw the film, the Cowboys were losing. It was a big play, and Diggs was just getting beat. So he worked on his game. I mean, it's this it's the old like the cornerbacks. It's like when how when we had Asante Samuel, he would be he, very aggressive with picks. Guys don't play like that anymore. You know, like yeah, these guys, I mean, these guys lot, get challenged and been, they're, they're scared to get beat so bad that they don't ever try and get any turnovers. And a, a lot of that, I mean, has been penalized out of the game. Sure. Yeah, they, they can't really – you can't hand check. You can't play physical anymore on receivers. It's it's fine. But, the, you the, know. The, and the taunting penalties are a joke. It started. It, it, you, you just – it's like the NFL, like you just gave the players the that that freedom of expression to be able to celebrate plays and celebrate touchdowns. And then in the other hand, you're taking it away because if they don't do it the way that you've described that they should do it, then you're going to penalize them. And some of these penalties are like are in really, really bad spots <laughs> where – like that, that 15 yards is sometimes a different. There, there were a couple of games where, like, that's the difference sure. between the game because they end up get putting the, that field goal or that penalty puts them in field goal range and yeah. they end up winning the game. 
It's like the whole episode. It's like that Key and Peele episode, Oscar. Yeah. The football yeah. episode when they when he, he, the referee gets right down at his at his pelvis when he's doing the humping, and he's like, "You do it one more time, he blows the whistle." That's what they're doing with the taunting penalties, bro. It's like That's they're it. watching everything. They they're watching what you say. They're like, "Is he going to curse? If he curses, I'm going to get him. <laughs> if he says that, if he says that, it's his house. I'm going to get him." Like, wow, relax. Shooting adult. Nobody wants to watch the refs. Yeah, the refs. I don't know. I don't know your name. I don't see you. Same thing in every sport. Umpires, baseball, soccer, the same way. Let them play. It's good to be physical. Yeah. Right. Obviously, there's if it's malicious, you know, you call that. But well, that's funny that you bring up refing because in the Premier League, they actually switched. They they didn't switch. They kind of instructed officials to stop calling fouls for soft touches. Yeah, be be aggressive. They're grown men, and the, the quality of the games have gotten so much better. Like it's ridiculous. Like yeah, because and then people stop because the players too adjust. They know. Well, of course, they know. All right, if I get if I'm not if I'm this little flop where this guy nudges me, if he's calling that, if he's gonna stop calling it, and then I fall, and then now we're down a defender, then that hurts my team. Mm-hmm. So I need to I need to just be aggressive back. That's what they need to do in every sport. It's like it's yeah. like the call. In the Dodgers Giants game, terrible. Not saying that he was going to get a hit or the Giants would have won, but you can't call. You can't call. You can't call a check swing. That first of all, he didn't. He did check his swing. It wasn't. It was struck him swing. out on that to lose the series for the Giants. The, you just. You just can't do that. The 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 fact that that game, that that decided not only that game but that series between two saying. teams that won a hundred plus games. Is such a travesty, and people only that, remember. And, and the craziest thing is that they have replay, but they won't replay that. That judgment calls. Yeah, okay. Like, and you and you look at the replay, and you can see clear as day. You're like, all right, he didn't swing. And, and how long does that replay take? Right, that replay legit takes. They don't even need to. They don't even need to look at them themselves. They have somebody no. in Secaucus that could say, "Yo, he right. didn't swing." You are like, like to me, I'd like. I saw. I watch. I stayed up and watched that game, and I'm like. Holy shit! That legit thought, like I, I that would happen to the that Phillies. That's how that game just ended. Just it, because it's the Giants, like, and they don't have the media presence. If that would happen to the Phillies or the Yankees or you know a team like that in a major market to lose a series, it would be really bad for the sport. Of course, they're already they're already struggling, and then something like that to decide a series. It's like, come on, that's and that's all anybody remembers from that series. You yeah. don't know who pitched which game. You don't know who hit a big home run. You don't know anything. You just know that that umpire ended the series. That's it. That's it. That's all. I, and, and that's all, and, and then that's what people are going to remember next year too. So that's exactly what you're saying. It's just it's just terrible. I can't believe I'm rooting for the Braves. To be completely honest with you. Yeah, you know what's funny is that I am too because yeah, um, I don't want them to win the World Series, but like. I can't stand the Giants. I mean, I can't stand the Dodgers. Man. Dodgers, yeah, no. I know if we were planning, we would win because we always we always beat the Dodgers. The Dodgers could never beat the Phillies. But it's like, I I just saw that too. Bellinger had a three-run home run, tied up, and now they're winning in the top of the yeah. nine. So the Braves, I mean, they it's a game they they were up. I was looking, at the, I was looking at the seventh inning. I'm like, oh, they're up, they're up by three. They should win this and go up three zero. And now it's they're going to lose. So, and here and here, like, does that swing the series back? Like does Hopefully that give not. the Dodgers like that gives them momentum playing another? Yeah, they're gonna play Game Four at home. I can't I can't remember who's 
Do you know who's starting for them the next game? Um, I will check and find out. Um, but like that, that like having that, like I saw that three run home run come up, and then now they're up, you know, going into the top of the ninth. You know, does that now swing them? You know, does that now swing the momentum back to the Dodgers now having another game at home, being able to tie the series up two two when legit, you know, the Braves could have been up three nothing. Yeah, it doesn't say, but like, and the and the Red Sox are winning too right now. They're up two to one. They're up two one, right? They're up two to one in the series too. Yeah. So I'll have to look and see who the scheduled starters are, but I mean the playoff baseball games have been pretty good. Um, yeah. So that I mean that's good for the sport, but it's like people are still talking about like we're still talking about the umpire. That was last series. It's been three or four games now that have gone on since then, and it's like people are still talking about it and wondering how you have how you have replay and you fuck it up, right? It's like when MLB when the NFL first started with the replay. Yeah. They had replay and they were fucking it up. And with all the cameras and technology today, like you can see everything. Well, so to, that's, to, that's, not that's, have, that's, to not be allowed to challenge that, or at least that should be an automatic. Like any check swing should be an automatic. Like, you know, the umpire has a thing like, hey, check that. And they go, yeah, he swung or no, he didn't swing. You're like, all right, he didn't swing. Like, right, he didn't it, swing. It, no. Like when they're asking for the appeal, Right, the appeal shouldn't be to the umpire at first base. The appeal should be to the guy who's sitting in a bo- in a booth under the stadium that has a that has sixty five camera yeah. angles. Because now, now that Fox, like whoever's broadcasting the games, it's you know Fox or ESPN or whoever, they've got cameras in the dirt. They've got cameras right in front of the plate. They they've got the the cameras that are going down each baseline, like you have enough places where you can collect that data very quickly and look at that and say, yes, it is. No, it isn't. And yeah, it's, it's, and it's do I've done that at games before on the line. And when somebody's like, you know, they go to swing, it's, it's still hard to tell even with good eyes. It's hard to tell for sure. Now most, they probably get it right. 90, 85, 90% of the time. They probably do. But right. it's still the 10% always stands out bad. You're like, all right, they missed that. And I always say in that situation, you err on the side of caution and you say he didn't swing. Right. Especially it's not three, two count, bases loaded. It's going to decide a series either way. It was 0-2. It's called a ball. Right. And it's strike. <sighs> so what you've gotten a hit, I don't know. You know, he, he might not have gotten a hit. He might have struck out the next pitch. But at least then it's not about the umpire. Right. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the fact that that decided the series, though, is just, and, and Nick, you're right. Like, that's the thing that people are going to be talking about, not the games, because the games have been great. You know, to see the, the way that, you know, Atlanta has kind of taken it, they, they, they took it to, you know, they took it to LA in the first two games at home. Um, you know, and, you know, I, I I would like to see ball like if I'm rooting in the in the AL, I'm rooting Boston. Like I don't want to see the I, I want to see the Dodgers and, and and Astros lose. Um, but I, I think either way, it's going to be a good series. 
I would I would say that it it's it's been pretty good so far. You know what I mean? But we'll have to see what happens. I think right. that I mean let's go to better news, right? On finally we could talk about this. I mean the the first so the, the first game then you know the the two goal two two of the four goals that they gave up in that first game early when, when they gave up those four consecutive goals in the second period were kind of fluky right you've got one that bounces off the off the boards in the back comes back and caroms off heart and the way that they came back and played last night I think the the thing that I'm liking about what I've seen out of the first two games of this team is that there's there's a lot of aggression, right? There's a lot of aggressive play. There's a lot of guys that are shoot first, not not trying to make 67 pass. Like you don't have Warcheck trying to make you know three extra passes to get like you've got Atkinson and Ellis and those guys that are trying to get shots on the net. And I think yeah, you can't score without shooting. You need shots to score, man. We talk. I always say, you know, as I love hockey too, growing up watching watching the uh, Legion of Doom line yeah. and like how good they used to be. It's like if Hart plays to his potential, this team is significantly going to be improved. Now, the defense still probably isn't where it needs to be, but they've made significant improvements with, you know, pairing Proveroff with a competent guy that he can learn from yep. makes his life a lot easier because look at the numbers at the end of last year. Proverov probably wasn't that good, but I think that he was just trying to do so much. Every time I watched, he was on the ice a ton, and he's yeah. trying trying to be aggressive because the other person next to him is playing. He's playing with us, you know what I mean? He's playing with guys that shouldn't be, you know, first line de- defense defensemen, right? They should be, you know, minor league guys, or you know, maybe somebody gets hurt, they play. It's like Ellis is a good player. I like Ellis. He's always been a good player. Yeah. I like, you know, Ristolainen, like. Um, He's got a bad rep just because he played in Buffalo for so long and they always have stunk. They haven't been good since what? Since they had uh, the black jerseys, man. Hey, wow. You know what I mean? That's probably the last time they were like, I remember them being like good. They yeah. probably had a year before them, but I remember when I was a kid and I was, I got really into hockey for a while. They, um, they, I'm trying to remember who the goalie was at the time. He was really uh, good. Was that Hashik? It was probably Dominic Hashik, yeah. But like the 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 way that they the weird, been, he used to wear a weird face mask too. And I remember Osgood on the the Red Wings used to wear like a dip. They wore different helmets, right? They wore like the the regular hockey helmet with the the yeah. wire cage in front. Yeah, and it looked weird, but they probably had really good vision. You know what I mean? But it's right. like so this team is going to be better just based on the acquisitions they made, right? They're a year into Vigneault's system. I like that Fletcher has been aggressive with making moves he needs to. Moving Vorchek was addition by subtraction anyway. He needed to go. Um, and I just love watching, like, Couturier is so good, man. He is. I love watching he, that dude play. He played, you know, he led the team in minutes yesterday, which he should probably because he does everything. He really is a true, like, he pl- he'll play D, he'll score, he passes, he'll fight, he's physical. He's very smart on the ice. Like, and I think that's play. another thing you saw, right? You saw them be aggressive. You saw them come at like last night. They score three girl, three three girls, three. That's nice. Three, three girls. No. Good night. No, that is a good night for Kateria. I was gonna say that's that's Oscar. 
Um, <laughs> no, they they got like they got three girl three goals early, <laughs> and you know they came out and they get two more, and then you know you see see Seattle try to you know kind of flex a little bit, and you got like you got guys that kind of just took it to them, right? You got guys that are getting invites. You got guys that are fighting back that aren't taking anybody's shit that like, you know, guys that went after Giroux that on the next shift, somebody's coming out to kind of, you know, handle his business. Um, I mean, I love the fact that at one point, I think they had like four or five guys in the penalty box at one point last night. So having the guys there that are going to have grit, that are going to have that kind of like, we're not taking anybody's shit kind of thing. Yeah. Um, really gives me a good kind of mental spot to be in with the squad to say like you, you could see where they could, where those moves on the defensive end with Provorov pairing them with a guy where he's not carrying everybody that he's playing with and not skating around logging extra minutes, trying to do everything and anything that he's got to do to get his team to, to hold that back end back. You know, for me, I, I look at that and I'm like, that that's going to be the biggest difference between where they were last year and where they were. What's up, Jace? This year. You, you, you know, um, uh, Don, do you know why Ristolainen didn't play yesterday? I mean, Is I he think hurt or like, was it a healthy scratch? Did they just scratch him? From, from what I can see, like he was still, that they still weren't, he was still wasn't 100%. Okay. So, I mean, that's fine. Like, especially. Early in the season, I'd rather have them do that, you know. Right. Um, but like I'm just looking at the minutes played from the defense. Provorov still led the team in minutes and D in minutes. He should. He's your best defensive player. Um, he's also, you know, I know that if I'm a goalie, I don't want to see him lining one up from the blue line and let one rip right. at me. So that's good. But you know, like, you know, Sandheim played 21 minutes. You got Ellis played 22 and a half minutes, which is good. And then the other guys were all all pretty good. Yandel, 17 minutes. I just like that they have defensemen that are all veterans that have won, you know, won a lot of games. Like Ryan Braun. I mean, uh, Justin Braun. Not Ryan Braun. Not not the stairway boy. <laughs> Justin Braun and then Ellis and then Yandel's been around too. Like um, that kid Sealer looked pretty good yesterday. He was yeah. physical. I like him fighting. I like, you know, I like when the guys fight. I like to see that. I like when they they like to like take the gloves off and hit a guy in the jaw a little bit. It, it's good for you. Yeah. It, it showed me that like they're not taking any like they're they're not gonna sit there and take anybody's shit. So like yeah. even if they're up big, that like if you go to take a shot at Drew, we got a guy who's gonna come after you. You saw, you know, plays where you know even Yandel on the back end sets up, you know, sets up a forward for a goal. There, this is where I think those moves that are playing with the guys that have experience, right? Yeah. They, you know, if you look at their offseason moves, right? We talked about that a couple weeks ago where like a lot of the guys that they brought in are guys that are assistant captains and captains on former squads. That's gonna go a long way for guy for for you know young guys like Farabee, Mike Provorov, right? Guys that are trying to grow that are gonna lean on those guys for leadership. So for me, those moves I think are gonna pay off it's kind of like that that slow burn. You're going to see that pay off kind yeah. of throughout the season where those guys are going to get that experience while also leaning on guys that have played in those games, that have been in those spots. For sure. And then have been in leadership positions on their other squads. 
Yeah, I mean, they're in a good division. So, like, what what's the expectations? Like, I think hockey is the one sport where it's crazy. You can go from first to last. Like, it happens yeah. all the time. That's the one sport that does happen. So, I, I think they're going to be substantially better this year just with, you know, there's no way Carter Hart's going to be the Carter Hart he was last year. No. Right? Like, he he worked on that. I know he made it a point. He's young. He He's been highly touted his whole life, right? So, there there is – expectations and pressure that comes with that on top of the defensemen in front of them literally were garbage men, right? Like they, you had one good defenseman, like Sandheim, Sandheim was still young. He made some plays last year, but he made a lot of mistakes. Provorov made mistakes just out of trying to do too much, right. that type of deal. And now that you're, you have all these veterans on defense that, you know, none of them are in their prime, but they're all vets that have been there and done that. Right. They're going to make Provorov and Sandheim better just because of that. Right. They're going to make, the other young guys, you know, that, like you said, uh, Farabee, um, you know, Limblom, all those guys better just by their experience and, you know, just kind of teaching them how to play real professional hockey, you know, with the rule, because they've changed the rules so much right, in hockey. So much. It's faster. You can't hit like you used to. Um, it's good. Like, you know, I, I love watching today's game. It's faster. Hockey, every time I watch hockey, it's just crazy. Like, I, I always say it's the hardest sport. Like it, it really is. I mean, aside from boxing, getting punched in the face for a living, right? Like hockey, because you are, you need this, you need the hand-eye coordination. You also need to be able to, to skate. You're doing it on ice skates, right? right? Wearing all these pads and these guys can shoot these pucks 115 miles an hour sometimes, right? The, the, the rink is smaller when you're, Six foot four, six foot five. Some of these guys look like ogres on the ice. You know, it's like, but but hockey is a sport like baseball. You can have guys that are five six that are really good hockey players. It's really about just knowing how to maximize your game. So right, flyer. That was always the first sport like that I that I got into just based on like my grandparents and everything. Used to love flyers, so I always want them to be good. Flyers fans are the 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 true the true core of the Flyers fans. Always ride or die with the Flyers. Right. And, you know, I, that's my favorite, like, game to go to is a Flyers game. So, I mean, the ho- hockey games are great because there's always, like, the, there it's is. It's never boring, man. Even if they're losing, there's yeah. always something going on. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, the I, I think, you know, you, you're going to see, all, you know, when they play tomorrow night, when they play Boston, you're going to see Martin Jones in net. You're going to see him as a backup. I think it's, you know, you're, you're going to see – I mean, he's a guy who was kind of stuck on a really shitty San Jose team last year. Yep. So um, it was it was a move that didn't get a ton of a ton of uh, notoriety, but could be a move that you know kind of gives them support. I think, Nick, you were talking about them making a move at some point. I think at some point they need a sniper, right? They need It'll a guy who's just going to like rip through. And just you know, score a bunch of goals. Yeah. Um, and the guy I heard somebody talk about was Goudreau. I mean, like Johnny Goudreau, the kid, guy man. who you know has always kind of pined for you know coming back and playing here. Um, is that a guy they look at maybe you know towards the middle of the season at the trade deadline as a guy that maybe you know if they're in contention could put them over the top and maybe. You know, take them out of a wild card spot, yeah, and put them, you know, in the top three of their division. 
Yeah, I mean, and then you know, I'm looking too at the injury report, the full injury report. I mean, at some point, hockey, it's going to be tough to get everybody healthy in the same page. But you know, going later in the year, if you get when you get Maureen back, right on D, he makes you better, right? right. You get Risto Maureen back, you're going to be better. Kevin Hayes is going to come back at some point, right? So hopefully, everybody kind of falls into place. You're going to have some guys maybe not play. You know, that first, second, and third line, you need them all to be at their best when it matters, right? Right. Hockey is also a sport, just like baseball, highly in momentum. You get hot, guys start playing good, start believing. Then you turn into the St. Louis Blues a couple years ago, right? You just get hot at the right time. And it really – hockey is – the it's quintessentially the team with the hottest goalie usually wins at all, right? That's always right. how it usually works, right? So, listen, I know Carter Hart can be that guy. It's just we need him to – step up to the plate, right? So, I mean, you have Vasilevsky with the lightning. That's why they're so good all the time because he's a stud. It's yeah. like I mean, we look at all those goalies over here. That's why the Devils were always so good. They had Brodeur. He was a stud. You know, the Avalanche had Patrick Wall. He was a stud. So, like, all these teams were good during those stretches because of goaltending. It's like the Blackhawks when the, when the Flyers lost to the Blackhawks and the Stanley yeah. Cup. You know what I mean? It's like they had good players, but their goaltending is why – it won't. puts them over the top. It's the one. It's that linchpin of of what kind of allows them. You just don't to... need soft goals. No soft goals, right? You know, you got to make sure that you don't give up a rebound in a bad spot. It's hard. I, I think, mean, like, I get like it, but... when I look at when I look at Hart, when I compare like those first two games, I think the fact that he came back on Monday night and had a really good, solid, consistent game made a couple of great phenomenal saves where he's yeah. you know moving side where he's moving laterally side to side where he's able to kind of navigate the one play where he you know makes the save and then you know makes a save on the rebound that bounces off out in front of the net um the fact that you saw that bounce back um i think that's the kind of response that you need when you have a period where you give up four goals the night before, you know, not the night before, but the game before you yeah. give up four goals. Two of them are kind of like eh, soft goals to come back the next night and now have that, that kind of response where you, know, you give up a goal late in the third period when you're already up five. I think yeah. that's a good response. Yeah. And I mean, they did, even though they gave up those goals that, you know, they played tough against the Canucks and they were able to end up getting it to the shootout. You know, you're not going to win every shootout, but at least you get a point out of it. Right. So, right. Um, we'll take it. Listen, we'll take it. We don't want those. And normally last year, a team like that, you give up those goals. They just collapse last year, you know, but, but we did also start off pretty good last year too. So we got to just right. make sure we keep the consistency up. The new, the new vets, they, they made a lot of changes with, with turnover and the team was good. I like Atkinson's already got four goals, right? Like he's, you know, you need a guy like that. Who's a willing, he, it wasn't that you need guys that not just snipers, but like they didn't have any willing shooters last year. Right. Nobody wanted to game, shoot. Like, yo, shoot the fucking puck. Everybody wanted to make like last year. I think the thing that was the hard part was everybody was trying to make an extra pass. Yeah, it's like everybody. it's like in basketball. Sometimes you don't need to make the extra pass every time. Take the open shot. You're not. You shouldn't always be looking for. Oh, but Oscar has a better shot. No, bro, you got an open lane. Take the shot. Yeah. Right. You never know what can happen. There's deflections. There's rebounds. You know, it's a lot hard. It's a lot easier for a goalie to save 19 shots than it is to save 32, right? right? Just based on the numbers, they're not all going to be great shots. 
but put the fucking puck. There was last year I used to get so far. I stopped watching them because there's power plays where they're, you know, you got a man advantage and they're not shooting the puck. I'm like, you got a man advantage. What are you doing? Yeah, that part I didn't get. Like, you know, you watch, I've watched Atkinson before. He touched that puck, don't stay on his stick long. He wants to shoot that thing. No, it's not going to stay that long. He's going to, I mean, and you saw that, you know, last night. You saw him anytime he had within earshot of, of, of being able to make a shot. Even if there were guys that were coming at him or guys yeah. that were near him, he was still shooting the puck. So that I think is also going to kind of rub off on some of the young guys too. Yeah. That, that kind of shoot first, be aggressive, push the puck, dump it. You know, you're going to dump it in, and you're going to. There were a couple of plays where they were able to keep the puck in the net in the zone yeah. and force you know extra shots. It's only yeah. going to help this. Yeah, I mean, it's like Faraby, you know, like Faraby and Lawton need to see that and say, "Oh, like it's nice. I need to shoot the puck." That's how you get paid, baby. You score the goals, man. Right. You know, you need to put the puck in the net to win the game. So, yeah, the best awesome. part of the show. Best part of the show. All right, two go. minutes. Two minutes. All right, two minutes. So what do you got Jeremy Lin. This this kind of goes towards like what the play calling is and what is going on with the Eagles, but um. Manchester United's going through something very similar where they hi- the higher-ups, the board, the owners, hired a yes-man and essentially our our team sucks. We have no actual game plan going into games. It's literally pass to Ronaldo, pass to Rashford, pass to Cavani, pass to Bruno. Let them figure out what to do with the ball. That doesn't that, – that works against maybe 10 teams in the entire world. Um We've been doing awful, so it kind of just goes back to what the hell's going on in practice. What are what are what's our game plan going? And nobody knows. Um, nobody really even knows what we do in practice because in set pieces we hire somebody to actually make us better in set piece, and then we're still letting up the same goal. So it just comes to it. Just makes you wonder what is even going on behind the scenes. And um, I just I don't know. That's my two minutes. I'm just really frustrated with this team. Um, you spend four hundred and fifty million dollars, and this is what you get. You lose against, <laughs> you lose against a team that you should be comfortably winning against. It just doesn't make any sense. Do you, Do you think they got too comfortable? Um, no, I just, I just honestly think there is no game plan whatsoever. Um, uh, when like, it comes- like, do you think they got Ronaldo and just said, "Fuck it, he can, he can do whatever." Essentially, yeah. I, and honestly, I, I still would, I still want Ronaldo on this team. I'm not saying that he hurts us. It's just that yeah. I think what ended up happening is they were like, oh, we got Ronaldo. We no longer need to buy a midfielder because he makes up for that with his miracle goals. It just doesn't work that way in the Premier League. It's literally – it's it's the stupidest league in the world because uh, the worst team in the league could beat the best team in the league any day of the week. Yeah, it's just, the talent level so good, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's just like – That's why – like, Yeah, you spend all this money on good players, but – you also need to make sure you have a good coach that the players respect mm-hmm. and also knows what he's doing. This way you can say, just because we have Ronaldo and he's really good, the other team that we're playing, you know, uh, Liverpool, they're really good too. Yeah. They got a lot of really expensive players that are making a lot of money. And so we can't, it's not, yeah, we can't just play street ball, right? Yeah. We need to, we need, you know, we're not playing backyard soccer, like on a schoolyard. We need to make sure we game plan and set up set pieces and set up, what we're going to do. And I mean, it, it just goes right to that, Oscar. They're spending all this money on players. But like you said, they want a guy that when they tell them, 
hey, we spent all this money on Ronaldo. Just make sure he touches the ball as much as possible. Yeah. And you're like, and you're like, yeah, okay, uh, but are we gonna win? Because <laughs> if we don't win, I'm still gonna get fired, bro. It doesn't matter. Like the coach, <laughs> you know, you need to have that type as a coach to be like, listen, like, because I'm gonna be a yes man, but if we're losing, then I'm still the fall guy. You're not. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm gonna right. try and win. And that's like it just it just comes back to like these coaches nowadays. These owners have too much. I mean, of course you're gonna have so much control, but what do owners know about the game of, of what about what they own? Yeah. Very few and apart there our owners are actually knowledgeable on this stuff. It's just yeah. ridiculous. Unless Messi and Ronaldo are the owners of the team. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, it's the same. Every sport's the same, man. That's why it's like it's like a big business, bro. Like, don't you want to hire good people and let them do their job so then it's less stress? That you have to do, and it's like less. It's going to cost you less long term. Like it's just, I feel like it makes sense. But then again, we're also not mega rich and don't own these multi-billion-dollar corporations. So That's what do true. we know? True it story. sounds good in theory until they until give us happens, that, until yeah. I have that much money and power. But I mean, right? like it goes back. Like for instance, like just look at teams that have like the high. Like let's. I mean, sometimes it does backfire. Like when Larry Bird was on the Pacers, like yeah. Like hiring a brain, sometimes they overthink themselves. And but there's like there's so many success stories of when people who are very knowledgeable of the game and they get the position of leadership and not ownership exactly, but like making actual decisions for the owners, like CEOs and whatnot, yeah. it ends up being like really good for them. Right. Yeah. But, um, Hire somebody that knows the sport really well. Right. But uh let's go on to the final thoughts, fellas. <laughs> Start with Nick. I mean, I don't got much today, man. We talked about everything. I got to rant a little bit about the Eagles' struggles. I mean, I just want people to make sure they have the right expectations. Mm -hmm. I think right now our hope is the Sixers are going to surprise. I think I saw the over-under went down to 49, right? Ooh. It seems low, but also the East is pretty good. But I also think that they might use this Ben Simmons thing to kind of surprise some people, right? I think because I think Joe is going to come out and play like a madman, which, you know, he needs to anyway. Yeah. I'm I'm really hoping that, you know, if they win 50 games, it depends on what happens with Ben, right? If they get something for him, then I expect that. But if he sits out all year or he holds out or he plays sparingly, then winning 58 games is people are going to be like, damn, they really won 58 games. That's pretty crazy. It's a good team. But like I said, the East is good. So I, I saw that bet and I was like, that's pretty, pretty interesting. I see that Vegas is usually pretty good. I was going to say, that. they're normally spot on. But I still think the Flyers are the winner team that are going to have a better year overall. Mm-hmm. Could make me eat my words, but I just know that how hockey is with it being, you know, up and down, you know, in basketball, football, you have the right core pieces. Good teams stay good for a while, right? Bad teams stay bad for a while. Right. So the Flyers made the right changes with Fletcher as a GM, made made some moves. If your goalie plays well, they'll be good. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna try and watch as many Flyers games as I can this year. It's <laughs> been a while since I actually sat and watched a lot of games just because like last year it was just really frustrating to watch them. Sort yeah. of like when I was watching the Phillies this year. It's like like I'm just like, come on, bro, like what are you guys doing? You know, so I, I'm I'm really excited. I think I think that, you know. To beat Boston, you know, people always want them to beat Boston and Pittsburgh and New Jersey. And I think they – it's good because when you play those rivalries as much as they do in their division, it's going to force you to play hard every night, you know. 
which right. hockey players usually – I give hockey players credit. They they really do play hard every night, most of them. They're not like a lot of the other sports where guys take plays off, take days off. In hockey, you can't really take a playoff because if you take a playoff and you skate across the middle, you're just going to – you could <laughs> – your lights go out quick, right? So Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. seriously, dudes, I mean, the game's different, but you can still take a 100-mile-an-hour slap shot to the head. So. Uh, well, listen, you know, the – yeah, the the thing that you know kind of popped up the, the the news dump on Friday of you know Ertz getting moved to to Arizona, you know I think for me like you know a guy that did a lot for this team that you know th- this is a move that was kind of best for both both parties. Um, not to say that what they got in return was astounding. I don't think that a lot of people had a lot of realistic expectations of what you were going to get back for him. So, you know, he's going to a great spot where he's going to be another, you know, he's going to be another weapon in that arsenal on that Arizona offense. Um, A guy that could really put them over the top. Uh, But I really liked what I saw uh, on social media today. A lot of, uh, you know, the, the thank you that he put out uh, to the fans and to the city really kind of speaks to, yeah, we kind of started the show talking about character and, and, the, and the character of a player and how, you know, Ben Simmons is kind of on one end of the spectrum. And I feel like, you know, Zach Ertz is kind of on the other end. You know, he, he was a guy yeah. who, you know, always kind of gave back. He and his wife kind of, you know, they, they had their, their foundation. Um, so I like the, there was a lot of cool stuff that I saw on social media today with people donating $8.60 yeah, to, to charities in their name or donating $86 or whatever. Um, so, you know, say you know, the, the, the fans in this, uh, in this town always get a bad rap. You know, they always get highlighted for, for doing, you know, stupid shit, you know, dumping popcorn on people. But, uh, you know, I think that there are things like this that, that also happen in the city that we've seen a lot happen over the course of the last couple of years. You know, there, the, you know, there was something a couple of years, it was there something in Buffalo where, you know, the, there was a, there was a game where they won, and then everybody they needed had, the Bengals they, to win. What What was it? They won, and they needed the Bengals to. That's what it was. Win, but I don't remember who they had to beat to get into the playoffs, and they did. And they gave they uh like Bills they, Mafia gave a lot of money to charity to Andy Dalton's foundation and stuff. That's like what that. it was. Yeah. So like, there's been a lot of that kind of stuff going on in, in, in sports. So Which is good. Yeah, which is great, and, and it and it kind of kind of it allows you know the, those fan bases to kind of collectively merge together, but you know just lo- I love what I saw from from this fan base today, um, you know, you know, and good luck to him, Oscar. What do you got? I mean, it's just a shame. Like, like it did. Like there was reports saying that like this unrest started last year, right, with Ben Simmons. So like, it's like what changed. And one season, like it can, it just literally turned from a terrible situation to even a worse situation when it came, you know, after that playoff loss and you know all that he did. So like, it's just like, what happened? What was in that? What happened in that locker room? Was is it? Was it really the fans that did it? Like, no, that's no. just a, that's just an excuse, man. Yeah, like I, I like I really don't see that. Like I just don't get what what could have happened in such a short amount of time, like. Imagine being pissed off that you're getting traded for James Harden. Like, just, just 
grow up. Like it's it can't be and, that. Either. It has to have been something else. Who knows what uh, what it was? Yeah, and th- there was other stories like, oh, you might get traded for like Bradley Beal, and there's other. I'm like, if anything, like all those players that they were talking about were better than him. So like, if you yeah. really think that you're better than them, then prove it on the prove it on the court. Right, go out and prove it. What you can do. But I do know that the Nets are down by 16 right now with four minutes left. So yeah, I did see that. Uh, Giannis with 32 and 13 right now again. Right off the bat, man. Yeah. Right off the bat, I just uh, – uh, I don't know. It's just so hard to watch. It's so hard to watch this play out this way. Um, but, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, it, it's literally a soap opera that's kind of unfolding. And yeah. – We should have we kept Jimmy Butler and moved Ben back then, I guess, in hindsight, right? Hindsight's what, what What a difference – that yeah, what a difference that, that, would, that move would have made. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Still crazy. I mean, we would have probably been champions that year if that shot by Kawhi doesn't go in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because remember that Warriors team. They got decimated by injury. They got they fell apart. They got decimated yeah. by injuries. Durant got hurt in like the first or second game of the, you know, of the uh, the t- of the championship series. And it's like, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, so if we if that shot doesn't go in. The Sixers probably win, and then. Then the whole thing changes, right? Then Jimmy might might not leave, but he saw the writing on the wall with the issues with Ben yep. and how he was no, cobbled no by the organization. He was, a, he was a scapegoat. Everybody wanted to you know, kind of bash on Jimmy Butler, but hindsight being what it was, he was right. Durant just hit a three. So. All right, Philly. He's unreal, too. Well, it's been a pleasure, guys. Um Definitely be back next week, right? Hopefully, Rich can join us. Check out, check out. We got our second episode of Drunk on Ice on Thursday night. So, Uh-oh. yeah, we're we're gonna be, you know, crushing pucks and and you know scoring goals and talking about you know all things the, the first three games and uh, you know kind of you know work around the 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 league a little bit. Uh, Mike uh, Mike Giletto from Fired Up is going to join us uh, on Thursday night to talk some pucks. So Clark Duke, uh, baby, should be a good should be a good conversation. Yeah, and yeah, all all the support for that show has been great. You know, we're you know we're pushing over twenty one hundred views on 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 social media. So uh, everybody who's kind of you know checking that out, yeah, you know, just yeah, thank you for your support. Exactly. See you on Thursday. Peace. Peace out, boys.